0: All right, so here we go. Age of the Earth, I'm going to start with this. Oh, yeah, I know, I had one other thing. I see Mike Mobley out here. Mike Mobley sent me a very interesting email saying, when I objected to theistic evolution, saying you've got to have randomness to make evolution, random mutation, but God's creation is directed, and it's intentional, and it seems incompatible with randomness. But Mike said, well, um, there are a couple of questions. One is, don't we have random mutation in genetics right now? Um, Your children have different characteristics. There's random mutation and uh, different colors of flowers and all that. So there is randomness in how God has set (coughs) set up the world to work. And there's a question of God's providence in overseeing even random events like the casting of the lot and things like that. And so um, I thought about that some more, and I uh, and I think I need to think about it some more. (laughs) So I just want to say that I I think, Mike, in your email to me when you said when you said presumed lack of purpose and direction, do put theistic evolution. In contrast to scripture, I think that was what I was trying to get at when I talked about randomness. seems to me there is randomness for variety within creatures, but I don't think that randomness produces new creatures. I'll I'll stop again. That is, random variety within creatures, but I don't think randomness produces new creatures. And I think that's similar to what you're saying Um, because because you need design in order to make the, the changes work. Well, I want to think about that some more, but I really appreciate that, uh, that interaction. Okay. Now, who still needs two? Want, we need two pages for you. Anybody else need a page? Okay. Age of the Earth. This is an issue over which Bible-believing Christians differ. There's a danger in spending too much time arguing over the age of the earth and neglecting to focus on the much more important and much clearer aspects of the overall teaching of the Bible on creation. I just want to say that, just in case somebody says, hey, wait a minute, why are you spending all this time on the age of the earth? I said, well, I'm spending one Sunday. That's not all this time. But it is an interesting question. It is an important question. And, um, and I want to say, too, about questions that may be not the most important questions for the whole work of the kingdom, Sometimes God calls individual people to size in those questions and do a lot of research, even though they're a small part of the overall work of the kingdom. So I'm not saying nobody should spend a lot of time on this, but I'm saying probably as a class we'll just spend this amount of time. How's the volume? It's the sound in here, sounds different to me today. It sounds bigger or something. Is, it, is the volume right or is it too loud? It's fine, okay. <clears throat> oh, I feel like the Wizard of Oz. All right. Now here are the options. Here are the differences. The old earth dating the earth at 4,500,000,000 years or the young earth people who date the earth at 10,000 to 20,000 year old. <clears throat> and, and the old earth uh, view is in consensus with modern science. And basically old earth people will say the Bible doesn't tell us how old the earth is. And so if you want to know how old the earth is, ask scientists who do different kinds of measurements. The young earth people say the days in Genesis 1 have to be 24-hour days, and that means the events happened really quickly, and that means um, the earth can't be more than days older than Adam. And Adam, 10,000 B.C. or something like that, maybe 20,000, but not very far back. So, and then the young earth view is held, I don't think, by any non-Christian scientists to my knowledge. Now, the difference between those two views is not just a year or two. The difference is 980 oh no, 000, 000 years. that's a big difference. Um, now, uh, just some preliminary considerations. First, there are gaps in the genealogies of the Bible. Um, for instance, Matthew 1, 8-9, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, etc. But you go back to 1 Chronicles and you see those kings, it shows Uzziah, who is also called Ahaziah. U, U, Uzziah was the father of Joash, was the father of Amaziah, was the father of Azariah, was the father of Jotham. So you're skipping three generations just because Matthew is just saying this person led to this person. Um, and there are other examples like that. Um, uh, anyway, uh, here's another one. Matthew 1.20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Dave, Mary as your wife. Well, uh, David was king in one thousand BC. So this little saying skips a thousand years. But the Bible doesn't seem to think there's a problem saying Joseph son of, it means descendant of. Alright? So that means that we don't have to say we add, you know, add together how long Adam lived and how long Seth lived and then all those other descendants, you add together their ages. And, and somebody did this, this Archbishop Usher, uh, about 400 years ago, three, 400 years ago. And he got to 4004 B.C. for the date of creation, and he had the flood at 2,800 B.C., something like that. But um, more and more discoveries were, you know, you've got these ancient Middle Eastern, ancient Eastern kingdoms that were back to the, before 200 B.C., his age of the flood, and then you've got Jericho going back, um, five, 6,000 or more B.C., maybe eight or 9,000 B.C., according to various methods of dating. And so people began to say, well, you know what, you can't just add up the number of years in the Bible and get back to the age of the earth uh, or the age of creation. Um, so we don't know exactly. What about the age of the human race? <clears throat> well, um, it seems to me, and I have to say in this, I'm... I want, when I deal with uh, scientific stuff, I'm outside my area of expertise, and so I'm going to have to say it seems to me. But it seems to me that man certainly existed by 10,000 B.C. because uh, there are cave drawings and paintings by Cro-Magnon man, you know, pictures of these people hunting deer or, 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 or I don't know, riding horses. I don't know what the pictures are, but they're, they're and it's artwork. It's uh, maybe elementary artwork, but it's clearly artwork. Only human beings do that. That's a, uh, I don't, and animals don't do that kind of thing. And when also you have not just burial of dead people or beings, but when you get people buried with fruit or other kind of preparation for the afterlife, you've got these beings that have a sense of having a soul and living on. And so in Cro-Magnon, man, it seems like that's clearly human. It's not just some other kind of being. And that's maybe 10,000 B.C., and there's some variation in that. Now, uh, perhaps somewhat earlier, there's this mitochondrial DNA that I do not uh, certainly understand in any extensive way, but it has to do with the uniqueness of genetic diversity in the human race or the different kinds of genetic diversity. And a lot of different studies have said we can trace that back To what people call mitochondrial Eve—that is, one female ancestor through whom or from whom the whole human race came—and that occurrence is 50,000 BC. That has to do with assumed rates of variation in generations in in genetics, and I think that's a little more subject to variability. So I'm not as sure about that. so I'm a little vague, but I'm saying at least by 10,000 B.C. we have humans. Maybe 20,000, maybe even, even earlier. So so I'm unsure how much time there is between Adam and Abraham. <clears throat> when you get to Abraham, you're, you're right in the middle of dates that coordinate with other kinds of history. And I know there are years that these people lived, but if there are gaps, then... We're just not sure how long that time, the first 11 chapters of Genesis. I think it's clearly history. I don't think it's myth. I think it's definitely historical fact, but I don't think it's uh, telling us every year or every event that happened in the time that was there. Before 10,000 BC or so, I think there's uncertainty. Was Neanderthal really a man or just a human creature that had a skull that looked something like ours? A Neanderthal man, I guess, about five foot five and uh, weighed about 180 pounds, was kind of stocky and looked human, but, um, and discovered is uh, a fossil discovered in, um, in Germany, in the Neander Valley in Germany. Um, they buried their dead and had primitive tools, but that just could imply a higher form of animal Uh, because some animals can can use tools, uh, chimpanzees and things. And uh, now I just learned, because I I did some reading on this um, within the last week, and just learned that uh, Neanderthal man now is shown to have different DNA than modern humans and was a different species, so it was the human being. So even though you get 200,000 BC for Neanderthal man, it's not man. It's Neanderthal something like a man instead of Neanderthal man. (coughs) And and actually that's kind of a uh, Kitty. Oh. Yeah, ninety nine percent same DNA in uh, chimps and yeah, but but still that's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, did animals die before the fall? Uh, For the young earth people, that doesn't matter because they just think you've got such a short time and uh, no, animals didn't die before the fall because uh, death came in with Adam and Eve sinning and you've just got maybe weeks or months there. For the old earth advocates, um, however, old earth advocates will say, well, here you've got fossils showing millions and millions and millions of years of age from animals who died, and then the fossil and then the uh, radiometric evidence, the carbon uh, evidence, and other evidence in their bones and things began to decay at a predictable rate, and you can measure how old they are, and they're millions of years old. So you've got animals dying before 10,000 BC with, with human beings on the earth. Um, this could explain the fossils if you have an old Earth that is. Plants were already subject to death. Adam and Eve ate plants, and so the apple died when they ate it, <coughs> or the tomato, or the strawberry, or whatever. And the, the curse of death, I think, <coughs> um, I think it's very possible, anyway, this applied only to man. That is, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. It doesn't say animals shall surely die. And Romans 5.12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. That is, the, the biblical testimony is that when Adam and Eve sinned, death came to the human race. And so I think there's freedom for us to, say, to think that maybe there was death in the animal kingdom before um, human beings came on the, earth, uh, on the scene uh, and Adam and Eve sinned. We cannot know whether God created animals subject to death, but it remains a real possibility. Did birds eat worms and bugs uh, before Adam and Eve sinned? Yeah, I think so. Well, then worms and bugs died. So then some kinds of animal life died before the fall. Yeah, I think there were bugs. Yeah. I mean, God created all the creatures. Okay, Pammy thinks that bugs are a nuisance, and that may be part of the curse. Um, mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes. I, I think probably they were around, but they didn't have the aggressive, harmful behavior toward human beings. So bees not stinging, but just just helping pollinate plants and things. And, okay, I think. But that's speculation. Okay. What about dinosaurs? Young Earth uh, advocates say dinosaurs and humans lived on the earth because they were all created within the space of a few days, no problem. The old Earth advocates say, well, some would say dinosaurs became extinct before the end of day six of creation because days are millions of years long. Others would say Adam and Eve were alive with dinosaurs and they were named by Adam in Genesis 2 but then later became extinct. And um, there's one other option. Jurassic Park fans would say dinosaurs are still alive on some jungle island off of South Africa or South America. I think that one of the first two uh, is more likely. Um, And I think dinosaurs are, somebody help me here, I think they're just related to very large uh, like lizards and things, some of which... um, still around. What is that? Komodo dragon. Komodo dragon. Is that a, that's a how big is it? Bigger, big as a human being? A bigger. bigger. Okay, so, okay, so they're not that far different. They're just and different. Growing, and they don't ever stop growing? Oh. that's why they think they were on the oh. baby. Oh. Uh, The big dinosaurs
1: and all. Uh, Okay.
0: Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Maybe, maybe smaller dinosaurs or lizards were on the ark and they kept growing. Okay. What's your name, Glenn? Yeah, i I know Okay. Here's something Glenn read on the internet. Oh, Tyrannosaurus rex DNA possibly found in Montana. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, maybe go back to point C. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. Here's, the, here's the, a very kind of hard question. Are the six days of creation 24-hour days? Young Earth supporters would favor 24-hour days, say days a day. Older supporters would allow for long periods of time and millions of years during which God created the Earth. So, in favor of long periods of time. The Hebrew word yom, day, is sometimes used to refer to a longer period of time. Genesis 2.4, right in the creation account. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. I think that's summarizing... um, along probably all, of, uh, probably all of Genesis 1 to 6, maybe, in the day or in the period of time, or at least the, the first uh, two or three days. Uh, in the day that the Lord God made the heavens, earth and the heavens, that's time. And then uh, Proverbs 25:13, like cold of snow in the time, or day, it's literally yom, day of harvest, is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his master's. So um, the time of harvest or the day of harvest, is it's a, it's a, it's a season. It's a weeks or something like that, a harvest time. It's a period of time. Or uh, Ecclesiastes 7.14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made one earth as well as the other. Well, the day of prosperity could be a whole season of time in your life. And uh, there that seems to be, again, a long period of time. And, um, Exodus 20 verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you. I think that means the seasons of your life. I don't think it means that your days may be numerous because the word long means long. It doesn't mean many. And so I think it means that the seasons of your life may be long and prosperous. The, the, uh, the ages of your life, um, I don't think it means that you get 25 hours in each day, or 26 hours, or 27 hours, you know, longer days. Uh, I think it just means a period of time. So um, so there are some, and there are a number of other passages like that. I don't think anybody disputes that. The word can mean long periods of time. There's some fine points about that. I'll get to it in just a minute. Day six includes so many events that it seems likely that it was longer than 24 hours. Day six includes the creation of animals. Let me just read that from Genesis 1, um, what we have here. Genesis 1. Um, And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So you got the living creatures. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you got man and woman on this sixth day. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion <clears throat> over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, behold, I've given you every plantly yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, etc. And, uh, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, If we go and add the details that are expanded on in Genesis 2, when you get both Adam and Eve, then it really means that this day, this sixth day, includes creation of animals and Adam, then putting Adam in the garden, then commands regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil given to Adam, and then bringing the animals to be named, and then finding no helper fit for Adam, and then God causing a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and then Eve's creation, and then bringing Eve to Adam. And bringing the animals to Adam to name them, God said, It is not good the man should be alone. I make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed, or had formed, every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. This is every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens. That's a lot. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. It seems to me a natural reading of that is that took a long time uh, for all the different creatures on the earth or types of creatures even to be brought to Adam, and he named them. And in Hebrew, name means telling the characteristics of or defining what it's like. That would take some observation. So uh, that seems to be a long day. And day seven seems to me that it never ended because the other six days you have, and there was evening and there was morning, day X, but this one ends with God resting, So, thus the heavens were earth and earth were finished, all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, Genesis 2.1, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now, did that seventh day ever end? It doesn't say. There was evening and there was morning. Day seven, there's nothing like that. And we go over to Hebrews 1. It says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever enters God's rest, let's see, Hebrews Four, 1. Um, the promise of entering God's rest still remains. Uh, and then 4. Uh, 9 to 11. Or, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from him. Let, his, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. So I think <clears throat> that the seventh day God never stopped. It, it's still ongoing. The fact that uh, the word "day" refers to a longer period of time in Genesis two to four. Should caution us about saying that the original readers would certainly have known that the author was talking about twenty-four-hour days. Now, I, I'm just trying to in, just trying to approach that text as kind of an interpreter of Scripture, and so much of my life is taken up with defining ranges of meanings of words in Scripture. And I think it's legitimate to say, hey, there are a lot of examples where day can mean a period of time. So I don't have to insist that the word means a 24-hour period. These points do not require us to believe in longer days, but they offer a possible meaning of texts. Just as Bible passages that speak of the sun rising or going down don't require us to believe in an Earth-centered universe. We talked about that earlier. But now people who are young earth advocates come back and they say, look, you know, there are some arguments that seem to us to favor a 24-hour day in Genesis 1. First, the expression, and there was evening and there was morning, seems to be speaking of an ordinary day. And my friend and colleague, Paul Wegner, who is an Old Testament professor at Phoenix Seminary, is in favor of 24-hour days. He thinks this is a strong argument in favor of that. Said people would have known. Evening and morning, uh, day one, day two, day three, they would have taken that to be an ordinary day. <clears throat> I think that's a weighty argument. <clears throat> in fact, as I'm weighing this, it seems to me that's definitely one of the strongest arguments um, <clears throat> in favor of 24-hour day. But I think it's not decisive <clears throat> because, for one thing, days one to three, you don't have a sun. Um, so, it's not really an ordinary day with the sun rising and setting, or rather the earth rotating on its axis and seeing the sun rising, people seeing the sun rising and setting, because, see, day one, let there be light, and there was light. Day two, oh, and then um, day two, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, let it separate the waters from the waters. God called the expanse heaven. Day three, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters He called seas. And day four, let the earth sprout vegetation. And that's or I'm saying day three still is the plants on the earth. And day four, is let there be lights in the heavens to separate the day from the night. And God made the great light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. So you have here. Um, it looks like the sun on day four, on a, on a, at least a, appearing, or coming into being until the fourth day, and so now, um, here's another argument for young Earth: the third day cannot be very long; can't be millions of years. Plants on the third day, and the sun doesn't come into being the fourth day, and plants can't live without the sun. Okay, and it's hard to avoid the conclusion. That in oh and let me let me just respond to this a second. The response I think would be made is there is light from day one of some sort, and so that light of whatever sort uh, could have provided light for the plants. Um, and uh, and I am not sure honestly whether everything named on these days is the time that God made them or the time that he let them appear to the earth. So it's possible there was, say, a vapor canopy over the earth, and on day four, the sun appears, is seen more directly from the standpoint of the observer on the earth. I mean, that's, that's possible. So I'm a little uncertain about that. But, but I think these are, these are weighty arguments for a young, uh, for a 24-hour days in terms of the biblical text. It's hard to avoid the conclusion, someone who's holding a young earth position would say, that in the Ten Commandments, the word day is mean to, used to mean 24-hour days. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor. It. That's normal days. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. That's human beings' normal days. For, now here, look at this. For in six days the Lord <clears throat> made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So isn't this creation, isn't the connection between our days and God's days arguing that it's the, it means the same? Now, old earth people would answer that by saying it's an analogy. It's showing a connection. Work six days and rest on the seventh because God worked six periods of time and rested on the seventh. So there's a pattern. There's an okay. So I say that's possible, um, but probably a harder reading. Does day now? Here's now when I say, look, old earth advocates say day can mean long period of time, but then the young earth people will come back and say, Hmm, you know what? Uh, you've got them numbered one, two, three, four, five, six, and in the ten commandments it says, In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, <clears throat> and then they would say. Does days in plural in the Hebrew Bible, not just the word yom, but days in plural, especially when a number is attached, like six days, ever refer to anything other than 24-hour days? And the old earth people would say, well, yeah, here's plural, Exodus 20:12, Honor your father and your mother, your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. But the young earth people would reply, aha, but this doesn't have a number attached, like six days. And the old earth people would say, well, you wouldn't expect to find it often with a number attached because people didn't often count long periods of time. You know, in the day of harvest, be, uh, do this, and the day of prosperity. You don't really count those things. And so you, you're looking for something that you wouldn't expect to occur with this. And then the young earth people would say, well, you still can't find one. And the old earth people would say, well, I don't need to find one. And the meaning period of time is well established. It is it, isn't, it is, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't. Okay. My um, summary on that I think this argument on the meaning of Yom is a draw. Um, <laughs> you could disagree with me. And uh, as I'm saying, my colleague, my Old Testament professor colleague, Paul Wagner, does hold to 24 um, hour days. Uh, but I don't think that Yom has to mean 24 hour day in Genesis or anywhere else in the Bible. I'm also not sure that it means long periods of time in Genesis one, but I think that is certainly a possibility. That's why I come out on Yom. Do you want to talk about Yom, the word day, at all? Before I go on to something else. Yeah, John. Oh uh, yeah, Yom Kippur is Day of Atonement. They're talking about um, a specific Jewish holiday on one day, the Day of Atonement. Yeah, but that I had never thought of it, but yeah, Yom Kippur is the same Yom. Yeah. And that's the phrase in the Bible, Yom Kippur. Okay. All right. I'll say it. John, gotta I'm,
1: say it. I'm listening to all these discussions about a day or not a day. Yeah. I think it's just human ego, for one of the better term. Yeah. I'm smarter than God. Yeah. I believe God did his point throughout Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't see how you can say, well, the third day is a short day, but the next day is a long day.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, how can you just. Yeah. Master, what God's calling you just to prove the theory that you going yeah. to have on that given yeah. day and time?
0: Yeah. Well, what I'm trying to do, honestly, John, is say, let me just read the text and see. It looks to me like day six is long, it looks to me like day seven didn't end. And so and it looks to me like in Genesis two four, day means in the day God created the heavens and earth is just the whole time. So I'm saying from the Bible itself, I'm just I just can't insist that it's always twenty four hours. So, and so that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be faithful to the Bible because, look, I want to...
1: That's uh, to important.
0: Yeah, and I've been teaching this a long, this class a long time, and the ba- bedrock conviction that I have is that this is the Word of God, and what it teaches, I believe. And if I can't answer all the questions from external history or science or something, then I can't answer them all. I still believe it. Okay, so I'm there. But the question is, does believing this require that I hold to a younger? That's the only question. I think God made it. I think He made all the animals specifically, and you know, it's a special creation. It's just um, just this one question. The way to science, I'm going to say that. I think there's more evidence on older for science, but I'm saying that it's easier to interpret the Bible for younger. I mean, I said that in my book, and i I think you can see that I'm. I'm saying, well, it. it I can see these weighty arguments that I don't think they're final. And that's kind of how you do when you're uncertain about something. A lot of scientists that don't believe in it. Well, I, I'll come to that. Yeah, okay. I just had a, a question about Revelation. It talks about a day a thousand years. Yeah, what about, and I thought about that this morning when I was just uh, having some prayer time this morning. I didn't put in here this verse in, uh, well, it, it's in... Um, 2nd uh, Peter 3. Don't forget this one fact that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Um, I could have put that in saying, you know, uh, there's a different evaluation of time. Okay, here we go. Another young Earth argument. Jesus indicated that Adam and Eve were not created billions of years after the beginning of creation because in Matthew 10:6 Jesus said, from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. And doesn't that look like from the beginning of creation, is the human beings. My response to that from an old earth position would be, Jesus may just be making a reference to the whole situation. That is from the beginning of creation. That is from Genesis 1 to 2 as the beginning of creation. And then the rest of history is the rest of creation. Um, I could see that going either way. My conclusion is, and I I think whatever conclusion I take, there will be people in the class who disagree with me. Um but my conclusion is that God it's possible that God has not chosen to give us enough information to come to a clear decision on the length of days in Genesis or on whether the Bible teaches us about the age of the earth. It clearly teaches that God created it. But I have an important principle here. I want to be sure not to require people to believe more than the Bible teaches. Um, when you get to when you get to say Genesis 5, 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his likeness. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. I don't explain, I don't know how Adam can live 930 years, but I think Adam lived 930 years because it says that. It measures the years. But it doesn't say after plants had been on the earth one year or something like that. that, is, that it doesn't, tie the human chronology back into uh, that early time. So I, I think there's some freedom there. I think there's some freedom in terms of what the Bible requires us to believe. So that's, that's basically where I am on that. In light of this, I think both Old Earth and younger theories are valid options for Christians who believe the Bible today. And I could say that there have been some groups that are very solid Bible groups who have studied this. I mentioned recently that Biola... University that's solidly Bible-believing, inerrantist, Uh, they had a study group on this uh, within the last 10 years, and they decided they wouldn't hire any faculty members who held to theistic evolution, that is that human beings are the result of evolutionary process, but they would hire faculty members who believed in old earth or young earth. Um, I have to say I was over at Master's College where John MacArthur is president, and uh, they are all young earth. Absolutely. And uh, um, even when I was on a platform and question, faculty question and answer time with um, John MacArthur and me and Kent Hughes last year, and there was some question and answer, and somebody asked something about the age of the earth, and I mentioned something about it. I think there's room for Christians to differ on that, and I kind of got clear signals from the audience that that was not an appropriate thing to say <laughs> at that. So, but institutions differ on this. Um, uh, but Biola has come to conclusion. conclusion. Uh, Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia that's held due inerrancy for many years came to that conclusion. Very significantly, uh, the, conserv- the very conservative inerrantist Presbyterians called Presbyterian Church in America had a study group that um, that that delved into this uh, within the, the last 10 years. And their study group came out and said, we can allow both options. Younger, there were some people in the Presbyterian Church in America saying, Unless you hold the older, old earth, you can't be ordained. And other people said, no, you know what? There are arguments both ways. And they came out having it both ways. And then, in, um, and then in the question of biblical inerrancy, there is something called the ICBI, International Council on Biblical Inerrancy. And starting in 1978 and then on for the next several years, they had a series of three conferences on the, what does the inerrancy of the Bible mean and what it, how should we interpret and how should we imply And in one of those three, and I was there, there was a long discussion about whether to put in the statement of the explanation of inerrancy, something requiring a 24-hour day creation view. And there was a lot of discussion about it, and the the ICBI, again, uh, came down on the side of not requiring a 24-hour day but giving freedom on this and saying basically that um, whatever the Bible teaches we believe, and the teachings of science shouldn't be allowed to overturn the teaching of the Bible, but they wouldn't specify what the teaching of the Bible was, which some, the young earth people wanted wanted that, but there was just a lot of hesitation on the part of 250 evangelical scholars or so. So that a number of interdenominational, solidly inerrantist study groups have come to this same conclusion. Old earth and young earth theories are valid options for people who believe the Bible today. I do not think it's a question of believe the Bible or not. I do not. I think it's a question of how do you interpret the Bible? How do you understand it? It's not like do you believe in the deity of Christ. Do you believe in the substitutionary atonement? Do you believe in the Trinity? I just don't think it's like that. It's an area where there's room for Christians to differ. Now that's my conclusion. When I wrote my systematic theology book in 1994, it was published. and This chapter I wrote probably 1991, 92 or something, I don't know. Um, I ended up giving arguments back and forth and back and forth and basically couldn't decide. And so I ended up, I think in the chapter, leaning a slight bit toward an old Earth view but saying I could see possibilities for both views. And, um, And I was undecided. Now within this last week, I've read some more and thought some more and so you're getting kind of hot off the press where I am now. Um, old Earth theory, 4.5 billion years old, with a universe, 13 to 14 billion years old, and a day-age view would then say each day of creation is a long period of time, and people are attracted to that view because of scientific evidence. Some evidence that favors an old Earth. Liquid magma deposits, such as in California, would take a million years to cool. It's, there's this real thick stuff that flows out of the center of the Earth, and you can measure how long it, cool, it takes to cool. Continental drift could not have happened in 20,000 years. That is, if you take Africa and Asia or Europe and Africa and North and South America and Europe and Africa and you push them together on a globe, they fit, they match. And fossils that have been found on the coasts of Africa and the coasts of South America are very similar, and similar in in what kind of species and what kind of time. And these continents are drifting apart two centimeters a year. Now, if you multiply that by 24,000 years, you get one quarter of a mile. But I think that Africa is farther than a quarter of a mile from um, South America. And so uh, that's that continental drift. And then coral reefs apparently take hundreds of thousands of years to form. That is, these uh, coral polyps accumulate some form of calcium and then they die, and then they float down slowly and attach them in clear water that has to be 65 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. And it it has to be fairly still water. And when you see how fast they grow, some of these coral reefs are hundreds of thousands of years or more old. And you can't get that by flood pressure because it disrupts everything. And um, so that that looks like evidence for age. Then massive amounts of data from astronomy favoring a creation 13 billion years old. The greatest difficulty, I think, for an old Earth view is the sun created after the creation of plants, although I think there's a different way to translate made in Genesis 1.16. So you could say that the Lord had made um, the sun and moon earlier, or there could be light earlier. Does... Okay, so that's an old Earth uh, view, ages. Days are ages. There's another view I'm going to mention just for one minute here and pass over it a literary framework view. Some people say, hey, this is not telling us time at all. It's just saying, it's kind of saying there are days of forming and days of filling. And so, day one, you've got light and darkness. And day two, you fill it with sun, moon, and stars. Day, Day four. Day two, sun, sky, and water separated. Day five, you put things in the waters. And sky, fish and birds. Day three, the dry land and stars are separated, and plants and trees. And day six, uh, animals and man. And there's a parallel. Now, Ron Youngblood, evangelical scholar, uh, edit, edited the Old Testament for the NIV Study Bible, argues strongly for this. I am not persuaded by it. I'm not going to say much about it. But I think that Genesis suggests a sequence of days. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Looks like sequence to me. And so I. I'm not going to say this view denies the authority of Scripture, but I don't think it's likely. That was my one minute on it. it, Am I okay? Am I going too fast? You're tracking with me. Okay. So I'm just saying, hey, there's another view. Then there's a younger theory of creation, and how do you explain then the appearance of age? Well, a view would say the original creation must have had an appearance of age. That is, look, Adam and Eve were created as mature adults. They looked like they were 25 years old, but they were actually only a day old. Right? Or uh, you know, this rabbit looks like it's a year old, but it's only a day old. And and the light they saw on the first evening from most stars would take thousands or even millions of years to reach the Earth. Um. So, didn't they see stars? Sure. Well, okay, but maybe God just put the light waves in place so they would see stars on the first night. So there's an appearance of age, but they really weren't. It really wasn't age. Some object that God. This makes God an apparent deceiver. But the young earth people would say, if God creates a mature Adam and Eve and tells us he did so, that doesn't mean he's a deceiver. Another part of the young earth position is known as flood geology. Tremendous natural forces unleashed by the flood at the time of Noah significantly altered the face of the earth. And I agree. Uh, You get all this water covering the earth. It's huge amounts of pressure. Uh, That caused the creation of coal and diamonds, for instance, within a year instead of hundreds of millions of years because of the extremely high pressure. The geological arguments put forth by advocates of flood geography, geology are technical and difficult for non-specialist evaluation. That's my view. Um, and flood geology advocates do not agree with either Christian or non-Christian scientists who have not acknowledged evidence of flood geog- geology. That is, it's a kind of a, a, a specialized group of people uh, arguing for some things that are interesting, um, but it's... Um, but I'm not sure that it can explain everything. One very significant problem with the appearance of age, however, is fossils. I don't mind God creating a rabbit that looks like it's a year old and it's only a day old. But it really troubles me to think that God would create fossils that look like they're millions of years old when you don't need those. They don't hop around like rabbits do. They're just fossils. They're just there in the earth. Responsible Christians, I don't think, want to say that God scattered fossils of dead creatures throughout the earth to give it the use of age. So a young earth person would say, well, current dating methods are incorrect by colossal proportions because of changes brought about by the flood or the fall. In other words, you date this animal or this plant to many, many millions of years old. Well, okay, this dating system is unreliable. It's really only 10,000 years old. I mean, that's just not an error of one or two percent, that's colossally uh, wrong. Or um an old earth person could say the dating methods are possibly correct and then you get, get old earth. Tammy? <laughs> the way Mount St. Helena's when it
1: yeah. erupted, yeah. it totally blew uh, off what the old earth people had claimed. Yeah. Yeah. Magnum and and uh, carbon dated it and it said it was, you know, eons old. Well, they knew that it wasn't because yeah. it just er yeah. and didn't, that molten lava didn't take I don't
0: millions. think it created fossils though. No, it didn't
1: create fossils, but but I don't uh, fossils don't take that long to
0: create really. Yeah. Um so Pammy is saying that some young Earth people have said that the the mount St. helens explosion showed that some dating methods are incorrect yeah i i i have my doubts about that so but i'd have to read more of it to see okay it may show some variation but but i'm but i have my doubts so i would ha- have to read it and i I'm, i don't have okay well, that lava didn't take millions of years to cool yeah, okay it's it cooled okay i i don't know um, another significant difficulty for young Earth data is data from astronomy. It's reasonable to think that God might have created the Earth with light from some stars visible on the first night, just like the trees had rings, and you cut it down and say, oh, that tree is 30 years old. Well, no, it wasn't. You just created it yesterday. Okay, I can see that. Okay, I see some stars. But it wouldn't be necessary to have all the stars appear to be about the same age, 9 to 13 billion years That is, trees and plants and chickens don't appear to be the same age. The tree looks like it's 30 years old, the chicken looks like it's a half a year old. No, you see, and the rabbit looks like it's a year old, and the dog looks like it's two years old, and Adam and Eve look like they're 25 years old. They all have different ages appearing, but the stars all look to be about the same age. And then there's visible evidence of stars being formed millions of years ago because with stars so many million light years away, you can see what happened millions of years ago because the light took so long to get here. So, right now, astronomers can look and see stars being formed millions of years ago because the picture of it, that is the light from it, is just coming. And that, I just, see, I can see God creating some light from 5,000 stars that Adam and Eve could see with the naked eye. But 10 billion trillion stars, all of which have. They, they all look like they, they, they happened 13 billion year, 9 to 13 billion years ago. That's difficult for me. Now, uh, Hugh Ross, uh, a recent book, Matter of Days by Nav Press, um, which is just uh, uh, two years old now, um, he gives some other evidence here. The expansion of the universe, we can measure the rate at which the universe is expanding. That is, you look at stars and you can see them moving, And you can see them moving and the way the light shifts, something called a redshift, which is telling you how fast it's moving away. And and there are just thousands of measurements showing that it's expanding faster. And if you go, and if you take the rate it's expanding and you go say, hey, now, wait a minute, when did it start? You go back to 13.6 billion years old. Uh Uh-uh. I've got 13, I need three more zeros on that. I'm sorry. Not 13 million, 13 million. Billion, 600 million, that number is incorrect. So, okay, now, did God have to have it look like it was all? Do, do you see what I'm saying? You don't need an appearance of age. You don't need that kind of appearance from movement to see light on the first night. That looks stiff to me if it's not true. Why did God make it look that way? You
1: mean, all these things are saying, those
0: true. every one of these things you're saying. yeah. I, the only answer that young Earth scientists have for the... Well, well, okay, there's a lot of literature, and I frankly haven't read it all. The only answer that young Earth people have to this is the speed of light change, changed. That's the only answer. And when I read that, I thought, I don't believe it, to be honest. That The, the answer that the speed of light changed... Um, um it, it just seemed like you're tampering with such a fundamental constant that it seemed very unlikely to me now if you want you know people can differ with that but i i i i don't let's say let's say that my number is off by by a factor 1000 and my my 13 million year number is right you still got an exceptionally old earth okay farther back than adam and eve Number two, residual heat from the creation event of the Big Bang. From a Big Bang of 3,000 degrees centigrade, there's some radiant heat left in outer space. Currently 2.725 degrees centigrade above absolute zero. It's called cosmic microwave background radiation. The time to cool this much was estimated about 14 billion years, and within the last week, some people won the Nobel Prize for measuring how warm outer space is. How warm is it? Well, absolute zero is minus 459.7 degrees. Outer space is about Fahrenheit. Outer space is about minus 455 degrees. Minus 455 degrees Fahrenheit. You don't want to go out there uh, by yourself. But but um, but where'd that other heat come from? Well, it's apparently people said, well, if there was this Big Bang, it would have been this hot. And here's how much we could have... People Decades ago, said this is what the temperature would be now, and finally, and it confirms it. And uh, that's another kind of God didn't have to put that there, this residual heat, just to make it look like it was 13 billion years old. That's not necessary for Adam and Eve. See, and why why is the appearance of age the same from the distance and the speed and the heat? Then the age of the stars. Color, brightness, and mass of stars shows how long they've been burning. That is, you take a wood fire, and you get smoke, and then you get a very bright fire, and pretty soon it kind of gets, goes red. Fire changes color according to how long it's been burning and the materials. Well, You can do that with stars. And millions of stars have now been measured all sowing ages of 9 to 13 billion years. We can see them at all stages of development. Again, you don't need that for appearance of age. This looks like... They have been around for this long, and here they are at various stages of how much is in them and how much they're burning. That seems very strong evidence to me. And light from 100 billion galaxies and 10 billion trillion stars, wherever we observe it, shows evidence not just of distance, and there's some specialty, specialty studies with how light appears in its color and, its, and the s- spectrums of it. Uh, uh, It shows not just evidence of distance, but also that it has traveled and gone through gas clouds and intergalactic dust consistent with the distance, as seen with slight variations of color. Appearance of age would seem like large-scale deception for this. Um, So, where does that leave us? Conclusion on the age of the Earth, several scientific arguments for an old Earth seem, now I'm going to say they seem persuasive to me. Old Earth, the fossil-bearing rocks, the coral reefs, the continental drift, And similarity of results from different kinds of radiometric dating, I just don't think that it has all been disproven. I think maybe there's some tweaking of it, but not by a factor of thousands of times wrong. Astronomy, I mentioned, age of rocks, minerals, and meteorites. The weight of evidence seems to me to be increasing yearly. So where does that leave us? In Hugh Ross's book, he gives some data showing that several young Earth advocates have admitted publicly that they have never met any scientist who has been persuaded of the young earth view on the basis of scientific evidence alone now that I think is very significant see there are lots of scientists who have been who are not christians who have been persuaded that evolution is wrong even this D, this francis crick who said you got to have life from outer space because you can't create it okay The evidence proves that evolution is wrong, but the evidence is just not convincing people of young earth on the basis of scientific evidence alone. And so here's my question. If the earth is only 10,000 years old, why didn't God make it look like it's 10,000 years old? Why did he give all sorts of evidence from heat in, the space, in outer space and distance of stars and shift of stars and fossils. and, and all, Why did he give all this evidence that looks like it's, it's billions of years old did he give all these multiple appearances of billions of years just to trick us? And more being discovered all the time. So that, I'm just trying to let you see how I'm thinking. And I, I that's really hard for me to... And if the Earth universe is only 10,000 years old, why did he give billions of bits of evidence from stars that all make it look like it's 13.7 billion years old, just to fool us? See, that seems more and more unlikely to me. And, and honestly, honestly, as I evaluate, I, I, I'm not a scientist, I can't evaluate the evidence, But when, but when the scientists who are young Earth people, don't persuade anybody who's not a young Earth person just on the base of their evidence. It looks to me like the evidence isn't going that way. The need for further understanding. I agree, coming back to a young Earth viewpoint, I agree that it's easier to read Genesis 1 as 24-hour days. I read those who hold this view, and I still think it's possible, but the observable facts of creation seem increasingly to favor an old Earth view, with more evidence accumulating every year. The age of the Earth... I think, is not directly taught in Scripture. We can think of it only by drawing more or less probable inferences from Scripture. So it seems best to admit that God may not allow us to find a clear solution to this before Christ returns and to encourage evangelical scientists and theologians who fall in both young earth and old earth camps to begin to work together more humbly and cooperatively. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I wrote this in 1994. It's likely that scientific evidence in the next 10 or 20 years will tip the weight of evidence decisively toward either a young earth or old earth position, and the weight of biblical scholarly opinion will begin to shift decisively in one direction or another. It seems to me this is happening. I don't think this causes us alarm because I do not think the truthfulness of Scripture is threatened. And Genesis 1 leaves us enough uncertainty that either position is possible. Well, look, um, I thought, this is going to be quick, I'll just save this lesson together. It took me six or seven hours of preparation yesterday to do this. And the more I get into it, the more it's just a huge area. And I'm, I'm trying to be fair to the evidence got a lot of friends who are very smart people who are, old, who are Young Earth advocates, and a number of you in the class I can see are. And I'm, I'm not going to say that, that that's an incorrect position, I'm just saying it's easier, Genesis 1 is easier on a Young Earth position, but I don't think it requires it. The scientific evidence seems to me to be much weightier for an old Earth position, much, much weightier, and it seems to be accumulating. And and I don't think that Genesis 1 records an Earth position. Well, look, uh, I'll take just a few minutes. We've got to get out of here uh, pretty quick, but John?
1: I just have two questions.
0: Yeah.
1: Why would God deceive us by telling us days instead of millions of years? Yeah. I mean, okay, okay, okay. That's two Okay. One. Yeah. Two what do all these scientists say about the flood?
0: Okay. Okay. Why did God deceive us by telling us days? You could get the deception argument back on the other side. I'll just leave that for people to evaluate. Okay. Without trying to answer. And what do these scientists who believe in an older think about the flood? I'm not sure. Okay. I. I it's. am I'm, I'm at the edge of my knowledge there. My
1: so. sense, reason for asking that question, because I think they don't believe. In the you think flood.
0: they don't believe in a universal flood? That's why. Okay. Okay. Look, thank you for being so patient with me. Anybody, just uh, Pammy. I got to read it because okay. you, just, you just used it. Um,
1: but the wisdom from above is first pure, then yeah. gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Mm-hmm. I just read that last night,
0: and I wrote out to the side. Wayne Grudem is. This, no. And I dated it. And okay. I you said that, I just thought, that is yeah. I, um, I love you, my brother, I'm a young
1: earth person, but I, uh, I appreciate uh, your kindness and your openness, mm-hmm. but um, I think, you know, I think, uh, for me, of small brain power, I think that's, that's a blessing of God because it's. I don't ponder these things yeah. as much, yep. you know. <laughs> and I really do think that that's a grace, grace of God that He gives to people like me. And I, I worry about people that that have such great brain capacity. Yeah. That and I'm and I'm grateful for intelligence. I'm yep. really grateful, grateful. But, but mostly, I'm grateful for your heart. Mm. You bring us both sides. And that we can disagree on this. Uh, And it's okay. It doesn't mean you're saved, you're not saved, you're more godly,
0: you're less godly. It's it's wonderful. Thank you, Pammy. I'm not going to try to repeat that, but (laughs) could all of you hear what Pammy said way back there? Okay, Jim. Yeah. Ralph. Uh, Gary. stars will fall from heaven, yeah. 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 I, boy, I hadn't tried to put together with the big distance of the stars. Um, I don't know if it, I don't, I mean, the sun and moon darkened, I can see. God just says, hey, sun, stop for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. Stars fall. I mean, maybe a lot of comments or something, uh, but I don't know. Um, maybe God just stops them. And, I don't know. He's powerful. He made them just like that, I think. So I'm not sure. Okay. Well, look, um, we'll be patient with each other on these. Uh, okay, John? Uh-huh.
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah okay. I'll tell you what about the moon moving away from the earth and sun shrinking. Hugh Ross talks about all those things in here, and I'll just uh, maybe refer you to see what because I'm out of my depth to argue that as a first hand person um. Now, Mike is a physicist and probably has a lot more expertise than I do in your ability to evaluate the evidence anyway. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything. I
1: was going to comment, actually, on Second Chronicles. <laughs> one, one thought, Wayne, here is what is fantastic about Genesis is God let us know that, he, that creation was a special creation. Yeah. Have a relationship with man. Yeah. You know, and, and what I appreciate about when I mentioned Second Chronicles, when Solomon was uh, building the temple, again the numerology was important. Mm-hmm. The temple took seven years and was dedicated on the seventh month, to the yeah. Seventh, yeah. seventh month, the seventh month, the
0: seventh year. Yep. Recognizing the importance of the period of time of, of God's creation, okay. whatever we do that. Okay. But the important
1: part of that is uh, God resting in his you know, we okay. okay. coming and dwelling and having that relationship. All you right. know, if we, look at, if we look, look at Genesis as a special story, you know, where God is going to you know, come to this earth, special relationship, with, with this yeah. I, I think we, we can all appreciate getting
0: together. Okay, now I've got to stop you, Mike, because I've, I'm, I'm, I've gone way over time. I should say, though, in picking up what you said, Hugh Ross has these hundreds of arguments saying the Bible is true. And here's the scientific evidence that shows it, and it's consistent with the Bible. So he's not trying to attack the Bible. It's just the question of the age of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your world that you've created. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing of these men and women, Lord, and uh, uh, their patience with me as I try to think through this question. We pray for further wisdom to give us insight, that you'd help us to understand rightly. Um, And that you give us even more insight than we have into this hard question. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.